The Chase Down Podcast presents A City of Champions, a seven-part series chronicling the Cavs' 2016 NBA championship. With help from fans who cheered against us, reporters who covered it, and the players who watched it, we'll take you game by game through the most improbable 3-1 comeback in championship history. Be sure to subscribe to the Chase Down Podcast to relive the greatest series we've seen in our lifetimes. One dribble steps back, puts up a three, won't go, rebound tip taken by Spades, final second, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. The series begins Thursday, April 9th. Welcome to the OBR Newswire Podcast, your home for all things Cleveland Browns. This is your Friday pre-weekend edition of the podcast, and Fridays mean we're going to have Film Room Friday with John Stephenson here in just a little bit. But before we get to John Stephenson and that interview that is packed full of Joe Woods information, our friends at BetOnline.ag are continuing to push the open poker blackjack rooms 24 hours a day, opportunities to bet on Madden simulations, opportunities to bet on stock market weather, TV shows, all the above. You can get in there, get that match bonus using the promo code BLUEWIRE. Get out there and get your gambling fix in using our trusted online experts at betonline.ag. Listen, guys, you should be excited about what we have coming up. Tons of good Joe Woods content. Hopefully, um, on a different note, you've gotten out and ordered your jersey. That goes to a great cause. And, uh, you know, you can support those on the front line battling COVID-19. The Browns are doing a nice job donating all proceeds there. Hopefully, you ordered the jerseys. The white is super clean. Had a Browns phone breakdown breaking down those uh, those uniforms and, and all of the live reaction to that. If you have not listened to it, I'd appreciate it if you did so. But let's not waste any more time. We are going to get to today's interview. Tons of good content. Let's get over to John Stephenson. Okay, guys, it is Film Room Friday, so we are bringing in, um, you know, our guru here, John Stephenson. John, how are you? I'm great, Jake. Thanks for having me again. Of course, we're going to do these. Now, this is, I've told people and I've told you that this is the toughest time of the year for us to be doing true film studies. We have no new content. It's going to get even more barren over the next couple months we'll be able to break down players but not overall schemes in in with with real certainty i should say so um i'm gonna get to joe woods because you've, you've written on some of his, his his coaching points and where he has been and what he might bring to cleveland we'll go over the articles that john has put up so that you can get in there and read for yourself look i'm a joe woods fan personally john because he started his coaching career at muskingum back when it was college my alma mater <laughs> 1992, uh, he was their defensive backs coach. Woods played at Illinois State. I don't think people have talked about Joe enough. Uh, it seems like I felt last year people were talking a lot more about the uh, defensive coordinator hire that went along with Freddie Kitchens. It seems like people were very enamored with Stefanski's offense, so uh, it has not been a ton of discussion about Joe Woods. I think you've been leading the way on teaching some of the things he, he likes. Ultimately, um, Woods kind of broke his teeth as a defensive backs coach with the Buccaneers, Vikings, Raiders in the uh, early to mid-2000s, and then got his chance as a coordinator with the Broncos late 2017 into 2018, and then took over as the defensive backs coach with the 49ers last year in pass game coordinator, and obviously we know how successful San Francisco was. So with Woods, um, it's it's a little confusing, right, John? We, don't, we have a small sample size of him as a D.C., People want to know what he's like. Um, it, it could be tied to Denver. It could be tied to San Francisco, right? 
absolutely, and that's the that's the issue we're running with at the moment. We uh, we don't have a lot to go on. We know that uh, during his Denver days, I believe he was uh, DC there for two seasons. Um, he was more of a a single high uh, man coverage guy. Um, you know, pretty um, pretty decent uh, pressure numbers and so on. Then we uh, we fast forward to 2019. Now he's with the 49ers. Uh, Robert Sala is the defensive coordinator there, and he is straight off uh, Pete Carroll uh, cover three branch. So they're playing a Seattle Seahawks type cover three. Um, in fact, Robert Sala won a Super Bowl with Seattle back in I believe 2014. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, 2014. So he was defensive on that team. So um, you know he's he's teaching what uh, you know what. Uh, Pete Carroll still teaching up there, um, Dan Quinn in Atlanta, and so on. So it's, um, as you said, it, it's hard to wrap your hands around what exactly he's going to do because we've seen him in two different systems, and it's just difficult to um, to say. You know, was was he? He was obviously deeply involved with the, with the cover through stuff in San Francisco as a pass game coordinator, but how much of that you know really rubbed off on him? Is he uh, is he going to come in? He's going to run what he ran in Denver? Is he going to run some sort of amalgamation of the two? Uh, is he is he going to just Throw in the towel on his old stuff and 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 jump in with both feet on the you know the Seattle style cover three. So uh, you know right now all we have are our best guesses. So gun to my head, I'd say that we'll likely see um, a, a combination of the two. Um, I think we'll see um, we'll see more single high. Uh, we'll see at least as a base. We'll see a lot of cover three. I'm guessing it will be uh, you know Seattle style with uh, you know, their various checks and, and the way they do things. But again, he'll uh, you know he'll add his own personality to it. He'll put his own touch on it. All right. So what's interesting with Woods for me is is John that he's he's had a good amount of success his last two stops. Right. His defense finished third in 2017, 290 yards per game. Had great success. Fifth ranked run defense 2017, and um, you know they were they were doing you know much better from 2016 when they finished 28th. They've improved his defensive backs in his time in Denver. Chris Harris, Akeem Talib. Um, you know, we're first team all pro selection guys. TJ Ward and Darian Stewart got Pro Bowl recognition. So he had he had a successful defense in Denver. The problem was Vance Joseph couldn't figure out the offensive side of the football, mm-hmm. ultimately led to his demise. He was let go. So then he catches on in San Francisco with Robert Sala, right? And he gets a completely sort of different defensive philosophy, but at the same time, uh, you know, helps launch those defensive backs and gets the most out of a secondary that's Richard Sherman and really a bunch of guys, right? Like um, not a bunch of big yeah. names in that San Francisco secondary. So the pass game did well. You know, Chris Harris, Akeem Tlaib, those guys make you think Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, sort of that T.J. Ward type could be maybe, you know, Carl Joseph, so on and so forth, and, and they're going to add to that role. And that's what's particularly interesting to me um, about this draft is I think they're going to really look to get – you know, Woods has talked about a desire for safeties that have corner traits. I think there are some of those guys, Xavier McKinney, Jeremy Chin, that will be, mm-hmm. of, you know, pretty interesting – um, you know, pretty interesting to him in this fit. And I think you're spot on with saying it will be a mashup. He probably learned about some things in San Francisco, some ways to do things that, that will be beneficial for this group. And he wants a versatile group of, of safeties who can do a bunch of different things. And I think this class is really good in that two to four range of guys that can do that. So um, it's it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be interesting to see some of the wrinkles he brings and and talk to the people you've written about, John, some of his, his cover four stuff. I know you're eventually going to get to the cover three stuff if you have not gotten there, some, some more of that Seattle mm-hmm. angle stuff. So tell the people what they can find uh, of your writing and sort of and what they could, like, you know, just sort of layman's terms, what they can learn from it if they want to dig into uh, to some of your recent Wood studies. 
Yeah, so um, we are uh, right now three film studies deep into um, you know just several articles looking at the basics of uh, Joe Wood's Cover Four, and uh, the reason I decided to start with uh, Cover Four, um, you know, because although it it is a uh, it is a coverage he'll play, it isn't as it what you call a base coverage. It's not something that you're going to see on a ton of uh, first downs or really any down in which you have um, you know a 50-50 run pass ratio that sort of thing. It's it's sort of a a coverage coverage. It's more something that you're uh, that he's going to play when uh, he's expecting pa- pass, pardon me, or when the uh, you know the numbers say expect pass. But um, another of our insiders, uh, Brett Sobieski or Sobo, he um, he posted something and asked the insiders um, about uh, in response to a reader question, um, saying that uh, he'd heard from sources within the uh, 49ers that when uh, when Woods came in, uh, you know, between 2018 2019 seasons. He, uh, he really pushed for uh, Robert Sala to include uh, more cover four and also to, uh, to really uh, emphasize um, coverage disguise, you know, whether it's rotating into, into something, whether it's rotating out of something. And uh, it, you go back, you look at the tape, and uh, you, you can really see his influence there and uh, what he did. And we know that they had, a, they had a ton of success with it, made it all the way to, uh, to the Super Bowl, came uh, pretty darn close to knocking out you know, one of the best offensive teams I've, I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and they held those guys in check for a while. And you're talking about disguising coverages. I know from a quarterback standpoint, that's extremely challenging to uh, to pre-snap, see one thing, and post-snap have to decipher in a matter of seconds, right? You know what the rotation is and all of that. Like, tell tell me from your opinion, like from a defensive back standpoint, what are the advantages to disguise and what are the disadvantages to something like that? Well, the uh, the disadvantages you you really already hit the big one. Um, Anything else? You you don't want to give the uh, give the quarterback a uh, you know an accurate pre-snap picture. Um, you're, you're telling a story with uh, the positioning of your uh, you know your safeties, your cornerbacks, and that's everything from their alignment. Are they inside? Are they outside? Are they heads up? Um, how deep are they? Are they on the line of scrimmage? Are they back seven yards? Are they sitting there on a hash at twelve to fifteen? You know, a, a quarterback's going to look at all of that. He's going to scan the field. He's going to put that together, and it's going to tell him a story. Um, we know that NFL coaches, NFL players, they they devote so many hours to film study and uh, you know to practice. So um, you, you really have to work hard to fool. Um, and, and we also know that if um, it, if you don't disguise what you're doing, if you don't hide it, um, if you get predictable, um, what you're going to sit there, you're going to make a, a cover four call, you're going to send in the coverage call on third and ten, and all you're going to get are um, a bunch of cover four concepts, a, a bunch of different. Um, pass routes that are designed to attack the holes and the weaknesses in that coverage. So you have to you have to disguise it in some way, whether it's rotating into it from another coverage, whether it's showing it and rotating out of it. So the defense knows that, hey, two high safeties doesn't necessarily mean cover four, uh, whether it's blitzing out of it, whether it's uh, bluffing the blitz and dropping out. Um, you just, you it, it, as a DB, I guess, um, it's a, the advantage to that is that the quarterback doesn't doesn't automatically know um, you know what your what your reads are where your eyes will be um, you know how you're you're probably going to react based on based on your own coverage rules and what your keys tell you to do um, you know so on the on the other side though um, it, it takes a lot of practice to disguise coverages particularly because it involves a movement and if, if you're going to hold a hold a disguise um, you know effectively. You have to you have to hold it to, to just before the snap, so you don't have a lot of time to you know to get from point A to point B, you know before the snap of the ball. And um, what happens with DBs, particularly younger guys, is they they tend to get caught out of position. So, for example, if we want to do something simple like hide a two deep coverage, um, 
we take our one of our two safeties that will ultimately end up deep. We, we drop them down to maybe five yards off the line of scrimmage. So rather than showing cover four, we want them to think it's cover three, you know, three deep defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, but now our safety down to the line of scrimmage is going to have to retreat at some point. He's going to have to open up and he's going to have to, you know, get back 10, 12, even 15 yards um, to just before the ball is snapped. So it's it's a ton of distance to cover and if you don't time it correctly um guys just they get cut out of position their body's out of position um they're not they're not they don't have the ability to uh, essentially to, to stop and run you know full 360 degrees um they don't have enough depth they um you know guys just tend to get burnt when um when they don't time it just right and again it, it takes a lot of investment it's a ton of practice time and it's also there's there's a certain amount of feel to it like some some guys can do it some guys are naturals and, and some guys never will be. You can uh, you can get better on it, but it's it's sort of like being a public speaker um, or, or leadership qualities. You know, some people are just born with that extra hit to them. So you can always learn, you can develop, but um, certain people just have just have that extra whatever it is that are, you know, they're going to make them outstanding at it. So this guy's uh, sort of the same way. It's going to be fascinating, John, from a standpoint of uh, less time on the field, right? We, we won't see these yeah. teams together. You know, once the draft happens, you get right away. And I talked about this with Barry yesterday. A, a user asked a question about this stuff, which I thought was fascinating, to really think about how they're going to approach OTAs. Rookie minicamp would be right away after the draft. They come in pretty quick, and they're teaching, and they're on the field, and they're, they're applying practices and all of those things. If you can watch Building the Browns last year, they had Greedy Williams they focused on during that. So, um, you know, how they handle OTAs, are they going to be able to do some virtual reality stuff? Are they going to, is, is the classroom time or the focus on sending clips uh, and, and talking more and doing more classroom sessions going to be beneficial, more beneficial to teach than um, on the field? Because on the field, you almost get some, you know, you only get so many reps, you only get so much application, and your mind is really all over the place as a player about everything going on. So it could be beneficial for these two new coaches to, to, to have just a ridiculous amount of time to teach and send clips and watch film that could end up being fe- beneficial. I don't know. It's going to be extremely interesting to me to hear what Stefanski and, and Woods have to say about how they're going to handle OTAs and whether it was good for them ultimately or, or tougher on them ultimately. I'm fascinated by that topic. Also fascinated by, you know, Wood's ability or what probably drew him to Cleveland. His last two stops, he's had elite pass rushers on, on, on both stops, obviously Vaughn Miller in, mm-hmm. in Denver and then and then the slew of guys including Nick Bosa there in San Francisco. And I'm sure he was drawn to two strong defensive ends that are here, adding Claiborne like you talked about with me last week and then you know, some interior guys. So he's always had a pretty solid pass rush to go along with his secondary expertise, and I think he will have that here in Cleveland. They'll probably add to that next week on both levels, and uh, it should be fun. I'm excited for it, and, and, and I think fans will learn a lot from your film studies. I encourage everybody to get in there and read those. If you're not a subscriber, it's well worth it. I think, uh, I think John does a fantastic job of making these things. You know, I try to keep mine surface level so that everybody can get something from it. If you are a guru, a guy that really wants to learn the nuts and bolts or have those conversations, John is the guy to do that. He, uh, he obviously runs his own defense here in Central Ohio as a, as a defensive coordinator and can talk all that stuff that you want to talk about in our Ask the Insider section, and he keeps up on that all year. So I encourage you Absolutely. to join us if you can. And, uh, John, listen, buddy, always a pleasure. Film Room Friday. We'll jump back here in a week. Awesome. Thanks again for having me, Jake.
Thanks for joining us, everybody. We hope you have a fantastic weekend. Hope you enjoy your last weekend without the draft. It's coming close. Hopefully you enjoy the mock draft that we put up on the OBR today. Has seven full rounds broken up into segments, breaking down how we went about picking those players, how we went about trading, trying to trade, and uh, some highlights from 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 those players and, and what we think and thought process and all that fun stuff. So get on there. Check out that mock draft. Check out John's uh, film room content, which is fantastic stuff on Joe Woods. Like I said earlier, you really need to be doing that. It's great content that you can learn a lot from. And make sure you're following him on Twitter because he gives out good little bits of information there too. So we're excited. Close to the draft. Big things ahead. We appreciate you guys subscribing, giving us feedback, giving us those five-star reviews. Those are always greatly appreciated. So everybody have a great weekend. And as usual, go Browns.